Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me with freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast. Here's your New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. Your host, Mike Phillips. Another good show for this week. This is the third and final episode of the week, our triple header. We started the week on Monday with the Sky Guys, Nick Freya, Pete Considori, doing season two of Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars Visions. Pete came back on Wednesday. We did our NHL season preview. Today, we are wrapping up the week with our week six NFL picks. I'm going to be joined by Titans fan Joe Chaffee and a good friend of mine, do all the picks and stuff in just a bit. We'll walk into the end of the show for the two-minute drill. We'll talk about the Aaron Boone situation to the Yankees. And boy, the way they handle this is certainly interesting. I'll definitely get into that more as we get to the end of the show. But we'll get started with the opening tip. We're going to look ahead to week six right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. Here we go. All right, opening tip time here. Talking New York Jets football and football in general as we get ready for week six. The Jets are off in week six after a very bad trip to London. Blew a game they easily could have won against the Falcons. A team that was averaging, giving up 30 points per game defensively heading into the week. The Jets came out of the gate slow once again, fell behind 17 0, 23 at the half, tried to come back, ran out of gas, fell 27 20. That's a game that you cannot lose if you're trying to build a team here. It's frustrating because this is another one of those things with the Jets where it's one step forward, two steps back. Zach Wilson looks great in the second half against the Titans. You're saying, boy, did that click for him? This week, he's skipping passes. Jameson Crowder in the red zone. He's throwing screens off the back of his offensive tackle. He's holding the ball too long, trying to make the dramatic play and make the big shot play. And this is where you see the points that Greg Van Roten and the linemen were making about. He holds the ball too long. Zach Wilson seems to be addicted to trying to make the spectacular play, the highlight reel play, whether or not that's at the best interest of the franchise here in that particular moment. Zach, it's okay to take the four-yard check down here on first and 10 if nothing is open down the field. Instead of holding it, holding it, holding it, holding it, trying to find, get guys open deep downfield. If the running back is in the flat, he can get you four yards, do that at second and six to second and 10, or second and 15 to get a sack. The play that summarized that best was the end of the game. Jets are trying to drive down, get a touchdown down 10 points. They have one timeout left. It's second and 10 from, they believe, inside the red zone for Atlanta. Wilson just holds the ball, holds the ball, holds the ball. Nobody's open. Keeps scrambling backwards, taking time. Burns a ton of time, gets sacked, loses 17 yards, has to kick a field goal there. That's a play you cannot have happen. The bigger issue for me, though, this team is, once again, they started out super-duper slowly in this game. All five games, the Jets have come out flat, they can't move the ball offensively. The defense gets pushed around early. The second half, they usually wake up a little bit and play tougher, but 
you cannot win the NFL by on your opponents 10, 14, 17 points consistently and saying, you know, we're going to come back. It doesn't work that. You need to get out of the gates early and find a way to, you know, go down the field, score on your first drive. Don't go free and out and make your defense turn around and come right back on the field. That's a momentum killer. That's all the thing that they really have to look at during the bye week, try and figure out what happened here. Why can't we start games fast? They have a game against New England that's winnable because the Patriots are not good. They struggle might be the Houston Texans this week. The Jets, second time they're seeing New England, Zach Wilson is going to want to play better after the first game where he threw four interceptions, threw the ball around like a loaf of bread. We'll see what happens there. The Giants, you hope as a fan, they're going to get back in the season, make things and win in Dallas. That basically got taken away from them by all the injuries. Saquon Barkley rolls his left, rolls his ankle in the game. He's going to be out a while. I know he's hoping to get back next week, but if you saw the image on Twitter afterwards, it does not look pretty. Kenny Galloway hurt his knee. Going to be very dicey for him. Daniel Jones, a concussion protocol, and it's a nasty one to let you look at because the way he got hit, he got up, looked like he had no idea what planet he was on, let alone the fact he was in a football game with the Giants. That's a game that you want to have a season the Giants had to win. That makes this kind of week very difficult. They are 1-4. If Daniel Jones cannot clear concussion protocol, Mike Glennon is starting against the Los Angeles Rams at home. And the Rams, by the way, had three extra days to get ready for this game. So they're extra rested. Not a good scenario here. The Giants season could be flushed down the drain. This is starting to look like it could be a lost year for the Giants, which is not great considering that they went in with high expectations. And you have to keep an eye on this situation because this is one where we could be trying to, you know, Blow things up a little bit. Start over. That could be coming if they lose this. Some other notes on week six. The slate is not very good, I'll be honest with you. There are not a lot of interesting games here. There's a lot of one good team against a so-so team, two so-so teams, so on and so forth. So Thursday night, Bucks eagles This game should be a blow. I mean, Philly picked up a nice win in Carolina last week. I think that was more on the defense, picking off Sam Darnold three times. But Tampa Bay, with their offensive firepower, I know they can't stop anybody right now because their defense is hurt, but Philly has trouble moving the ball. This game is going to get ugly pretty quick. Packers-Bears, first place in the NFC North on the line. The Packers struggled in Cincinnati against the Bengals last week. A bunch of missed kicks in the end of that game. They escape in overtime on the Mason Crosby 49-yarder. They need to play better. The Bears, they had a nice win out in Vegas against the Raiders, but I need to see them do it against a better quality team. Step up and wait class here against the Packers. The game's at home. The Chicago Bears want to have a season. This is a game you have to win. They look at the Rams and the Giants already. That's going to be pretty ugly. The Chiefs going on the road here to Washington in a spot where they need to get a win because the Chiefs are raising all kinds of alarm bells with this start on defense. They can't stop anybody. They're going to have 32 points a game. They have the worst defense in the league, even with Patrick Mahomes. It's hard to win your defense game a 32 game. And the offense is not the same because the loss of Stanley Watkins is very underrated to that group because every team right now is selling out to stop Tyreek Hill from beating them beat deep down the field. They're content to give them the underneath options here, whether that's Kelsey, whether that's Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, Nicole Hardman. There is no receiver opposite Tyreek Hill that demands respect. So they're saying, don't let Tyreek Hill beat us deep. 
and we all have a chance here to win this game. And it's worked. They're two and three. They're in last place in the AFC West. They have to get their season on track. This is a game they have to win here. And Washington, that's a game Washington can show up and get, have a fight in because that Chief defense will keep things interesting. If the Washington pass rush can finally show up here and put heat on Patrick at home, this could be much closer than people think. Chargers off the big win against the Browns. They're 4-1. and one. They lead the AFC West. They're heading east this week to take on the Ravens in a big spot. Short week for the Ravens coming off the Monday night game, but they're the type of team that I want to see how the Chargers deal with them. The Chargers are a aired out group. They have Justin Herbert. Looks like probably the best quarterback in the league right now. You're dealing with a Raven team that is very physical, likes to run the ball, likes to control the clock. Big test of that Charger defense. We'll see how they handle that. And flying east expectations because this is a team that's not do well going west to east traditionally. They did win in Washington earlier this year. We'll see if they can do it again in Baltimore. The other underrated game of the week, and again, it's not we're not one that maybe we're not going to see because the distribution is going to be low. The last undefeated team to lead the Arizona Cardinals hit the road taking on the three and two Browns. And the Browns have two very narrow losses this season. One to the Chiefs in Arrowhead. One to the Chargers in LA. They have hung with everybody in these games. They've won low-scoring games. They've won high-scoring games. The Browns have done a lot of things. This is a very tough spot for the Cardinals because that's a game that the dog pound's going to be hyped up. A big road spot for the Browns to make a stand here against the Cardinals. Be fascinating to see here. Cowboys 4-1. and one. Hey, New England take on the Patriots, and the Patriots look awful against the Texans, as I mentioned before. This is a spot where, if you're taking the Cowboys seriously, the Cowboys don't make this a joke. They have to run away at this game. If they are letting the Patriots hang around this game, when they're clearly superior on both sides of the ball, it's a problem. Dallas needs to win this running away. The Sunday game has certainly lost some luster Seahawks Steelers because Russell Wilson gets hurt last week. He needs surgery on his finger. He's out six to eight weeks. Former Jet Geno Smith now in charge of trying to steady the ship for the Seahawks, who are going to sink like a stone in the NFC West. They can't win some games here. This is a big spot for the Steelers, too. Picked up the big win against Denver on Sunday. Ben Roethlisberger had a resurging game through a big bomb of a touchdown to Chase Claypool. That's a spot here. Now you're the Steelers looking at, here comes Seattle without Russell Wilson with a shaky defense. Win this game, get to 500. You might have a season here. So it's a big spot for both teams. The loser this is in huge trouble. As a Jet fan, I'm obviously going to root for the Steelers because obviously the Jets hold that Seattle first-round pick in 2022 because of Jamal Adams' trade. The higher that pick gets, the better because that means the Jets have a chance to add another impact player to this rebuilding effort. The game of the week, though, in my opinion, is the Monday night game. Bills heading to Tennessee, take on the Titans. Buffalo established itself as the class of the AFC so far with a winning arrowhead. They can back it up with a win in Nashville against Tennessee. We'll talk more about that game in a minute as we do our week six NFL picks with Titans fan Joe Choppy right after this. Show me the money. All right, show me the money. NFL picks for week number six here on the podcast. Join me today, somebody who I haven't had on the pick since week number, since year number one of the pick segment anyway. Joe Jaffe's back here. Joe, how are you? I'm happy to be back, Michael. How are you? Doing pretty good. We'll get to your football team in a minute, but this is Hockey Week on the podcast. I did the NHL preview at Pete Considori a couple days ago. That's up in your feeds if you haven't listened yet, but 
Since that episode aired, the Rangers did make a big move. They signed Michael Zibanejad to a big contract extension long-term, eight years, eight and a half million per. You're a big Ranger guy, so let's start there. What do you think about that? I think it's a move they had to make. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, obviously it takes them out of Eichel, um, but that's a huge gamble to take at this point because now the, the edict is pretty much out. They need to make the playoffs this year. Eichel still doesn't have a neck essentially. Um, so even if the Rangers were to trade for Eichel, uh, it taking on the 10 million a year means the Banajad's going to be out at the end of this season. Does that make one Zibanejad a move at this deadline, but two, you don't know when Eichel's going to be able to play. Uh, so if the Rangers edict is to make the playoffs this year, and it is, you need to, your number one center and you need Zibanejad. So to have him locked up, the, the end of that contract's not going to be great, of course. But to get him at eight and a half is a really good value when you look at Barkov just got 10, Eichel's making 10. As guys hit unrestricted free agency, the number's only going to go up and up and up. And as the cap goes up, hopefully, it sounds like three, four years from now, that hit gets worse and worse, Oh, better and better and better. Um, so the back end will look bad, I'm sure. But under nine, I'm happy, and it's under nine. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned basically that they traded – the extra years for a lower AAV hit, which makes sense. They have to pay Adam Fox when you have to worry about some of the next-level contracts with some of the kids like Lafreniere and Kako. Kako's going to be an RFA after this year, so they can make a lot of sense to do what they did. Right, and they had to. To go into this, and also Ryan Strom's a free agent at the end of the season, which is another wrinkle in this. So the Rangers went into this season with their top two centers unsigned for next year. That either tells you that they were planning to trade for Eichel at some point, or they had something maybe t- Tomas Rattel out of uh, San Jose. Um, but they 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 got they have their guy. Sometimes you know what you have, and it's better to sign your guy than to take a gamble on another guy for a big contract. So the Rangers knows a Benajad. He seems to really enjoy it here. He has a lot more reasons now to enjoy New York. But to sign your guy, keep him here, no-brainer. No-brainer. Yeah, it is no-brainer. And let's go to your football team. You're a big Tennessee Titans guy. And last week, they played the Jags. They had to win that game. They did win that game pretty convincingly. So what's your takeaway from that game? Thank God for Derrick Henry. I mean, without – I mean, Tannehill's had a career resurgence. Um, no, all summer when the Titans got Julio Jones, I got many texts and phone calls, and I'm like, it's kind of old now, but like the name still is a big name. He hasn't done anything. Um, the offensive line isn't what it once was for sure, uh, with a few departures and free agency. But I mean, Derrick Henry is the whole team. Tannehill's fine, uh, but if Henry doesn't have a career game, we lose this game to the Jaguars. Three touchdowns is a pretty good week. Um, so yes, the offensive line does create the room for Henry to some extent. Um, but I think going into this season, the Titans are kind of like a sexy Super Bowl pick. I really don't think they look anything like that right now. Yeah, it's really interesting to look at because you see their division. Their division stinks, and nobody else in that division is more than one win. And Tennessee's in at three and two. Like, okay, great. We're going to have a home playoff game. Got a good set, set up here to go potentially get in the playoffs and maybe make some noise. But you look, you lose to the Jets last week. You have the disaster the opening week. You win, have a great comeback in Seattle. Like, I have no idea what to make of this team. And if you just look at the AFC, I mean, I think based off the last week, 
Buffalo is the class of the AFC at this moment. I don't know how you can argue otherwise. It, it, is Tennessee in the league of Buffalo? I would I would say no. Um, yes, the division's horrible. Houston, the, the kid that played quarterback for Houston this week actually had a really good game. Um, the Jaguars are young and up and coming. But, like, again, Tennessee winning this division isn't, like, an accomplishment. So will they make the playoffs? I would imagine so. But to think that they could beat Kansas City or Buffalo in a big game, I, 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 I mean, there's no way. It can happen. It's, anyone can win one game. I should say it can't happen. But if I had to put money on it, is Tennessee going anywhere in the playoffs? I would say no. Yeah, and obviously this week they have a big chance to make a statement here because Buffalo's coming in here on Monday night, and that's a spot where you're looking at it, and Buffalo <laughs> could, could come in here a little high off the win, maybe catch them like a little flat here and a big crowd at home. Yeah, it helps, but what do you think has to happen here for Tennessee to win this football game? Can Josh Allen get like on the wrong flight and not show up? <laughs> uh, I mean, he's so good. I mean, yes, Mahomes gets the headlines and Mahomes got the Madden cover. And he, in the Super Bowl, he has all of his pedigree. But Allen's so good and just so impressive. Like you watch him play and like he's a beast. He's built like he has a cannon. He's just great. And they really don't have a running game. Like, Devin Singletary's okay. Like, there's nothing on that team to me that screams elite talent outside of the quarterback, offensively. Like, so, unless the Tennessee defense and Mike Vrabel can come up with a way to stop Josh Allen, I I, I don't see this week going so well for the Titans. But, again, it's, it's one game, and maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe they overlook the Titans and um, take them a little bit too lightly, but, and also, Julio Jones may or may not play. Who knows if he's ever going to return. So, um, if Tennessee can get back Julio and Tannehill can have a decent game and Derrick Henry can just carry the offense again, they have a shot. But, again, I think running against the Buffalo defense and running against the Jaguars defense is very different for Henry. Uh, so, I, I don't see this ending well for the Titans here. Yeah, I think you said, right, I think Tannehill has to have a big game for them this week because I think you've got to go score for score at Buffalo try and win this game. I don't think you're going to stop them at all. No, and when you look at Tannehill and Allen, like, it's just, again, a different class of player. Um, and, and if I'm Tennessee, there me say anything bad here, but, you know, I how many more years does Tannehill have? So I think in the upcoming drafts, quarterback needs to be addressed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's on a contract that you probably get out of, like, two, three years. I wouldn't be surprised they take somebody and say, okay, we'll develop him behind Tannehill, and then, like, two years to get him the job. Well, hopefully, those, it's crazy how many quarterbacks now don't do that. I mean, I know I'm going to be called an old man here, but, you know, that was the norm for so long. You drafted a quarterback in the second, no, sometimes late in the first. Obviously, when you're a top three or four pick, you play. But you late in the first, early in the second, early in the third, they sit, they learn, they learn the offense, they develop some chemistry, then they eventually get in when the older guy goes. I think that would be a really good formula for Tennessee to follow here. Um and I believe what when they drafted Tannehill, they had Matt Moore in yeah, when they, Miami. Know, yeah, yeah, that's basically um, the same thing. So if, could the same thing eventually happen to Tannehill, where he's the Matt Moore, he's the veteran, he's the guy that's been there for a few years now? I mean, Tannehill's just going on year three or four at Tennessee. Um, so does they Matt Moore Tannehill and you know draft the quarterback eventually because they're going to be picking at the back of the draft uh, at least for the foreseeable future because this division is just a 
disaster. Um, so if they keep picking in the 19 to 25 range, eventually that's a quarterback you can take, let them sit, learn, and hopefully ready to go. I mean, their history of taking quarterbacks, Vince Young, Jake Locker. Not great. Mark Mariota, not great. Not a great history there. Yeah, for sure. Let's get to the pick. This is why you're here this week. Our good friend Phil Fredo was here last week. He did the rare <laughs> one, one, and one. He went one win, one loss, one push. He had the Broncos getting a point and a half in Pittsburgh. They got blown out, so that ended up being a loss for him. He had the Packers pushing the three against the Bengals. They went to overtime. They ended up winning that game by three, so no credit there. And he had the Buffalo Bills getting the three in Kansas City against the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. That game went very well for him. Obviously, the Bills ran away with it, weather delay notwithstanding, so... Took a while, but we got the very rare one, one, and one from Phil Freight on the on the week. I hope I do better than Phil, but we'll find out eventually. We will. And I, on the other hand, I went two and one last week. I took my own team. I took the Jets getting the three points. That was stupid of me. The Jets ended up making me look like an idiot. But I had Detroit plus eight and a half against uh, the Vikings. They almost won that game outright, but they covered the number. I, I took your team, Joe. I took them laying the four and a half points, and they covered for me. So good job, Tennessee. They, they, they. That was the game they couldn't lose, especially coming off the Jets game. Like they, they couldn't lose that game. And what it was, it was close. Like it wasn't. At the end, got away, but Jacksonville was always in that game for a long time. It absolutely was. So on the year, team challengers slow start four ten and one. So you got to help them out a little bit today, Joe. I'll try. Yeah, you'll try. I'm 7 and 8. I started off sloving, picking up steam a little bit the last few weeks. I'm going to get over 500 this week, but we are going if to. Only, if only the great Mike Francesco is here and we can take our picks against his. Yeah, well, he's not here. We are here. So we're going to go ahead and do these picks for week six. Joe, yes, the guess, you are up first here. So where are you going with pick number one? Well, the rumor is that Geno Smith is playing for the Hawks. They're going to Pittsburgh. I can't see Seattle being competitive here in this game. Yeah, that's one I like as well. And this and the Steelers are laying four and a half here in Pittsburgh. I think it's a game they can definitely win. I think Pittsburgh coming yeah. in here, playing very well, playing aggressively defensively right now. Ben in a big game here. And Seattle's even is not that good. Jamal Adams still can't cover people. That's a big problem. Right. Also, we'll playing in this game. I may go the other way with this pick, but... You, you know Geno Smith better than anybody. What, what are your thoughts on Geno Smith? He's not going to do well. I'll say that much. <laughs> I don't think so either. So that's why it can be Pittsburgh at home. All right. That's pick number one. If you pick number two, where are you going? I'm going to go Green Bay. Uh, the Packers are, it's only four and a half. Uh, the Bears are a mess. So I, I, I don't know what's wrong with the, the pick thinkers here, but get Give me Green Bay. I, I, who's on the Bears? Montgomery's out. There's going to play quarterback. Ben had a very good game last week. Maybe a little tired. I know Burroughs and Rodgers going back and forth is awesome to watch. But I, the, the, the Bears and the Bengals are on very different levels here. So give me Green Bay. Yeah, I like that pick, too. I think this game, the Bang Division game, Chicago's at home. This will be a little closer than people think, but... Like I said, what have we seen out of the Bears? You're right. I don't know why people have so much faith in them from the odds makers, but it makes no sense. I don't understand this one. Now, my last pick I was very conflicted on. It's really between two games. Um, but 
I'm gonna ride the high. Give me the Cowboys. Uh, the the Giants I know had some problems last week staying on the field, um, but I think that's a team that's playing with a little bit of swagger, a little bit of confidence. I like the new tight end uh, Dalton Schultz. I think he and Prescott have a nice little connection brewing. Give me the Cowboys. Yeah, laying four in New England, and that's one of those games. If you're in Dallas and you want to take you seriously, you cannot lose that game. You have to go on no. the road, take care of business. And Mac Jones has been good. This is not a slide on Mac Jones. I just think that the Cowboys come off a big win. They're going to be a little, they might be a little too overconfident, which would actually swing the pick the other way. But if, again, we're talking about bad divisions. The NFC East is a bad division. Yes. So if the Cowboys want to make a statement and take a nice firm grasp, I mean, also too, you have the Eagles playing the Buccaneers, which is a tough game for them. So if the Cowboys can have a nice big win here, and the Eagles, which I don't see them beating the Buccaneers. Cowboys can leapfrog that division. This is a big game for them. Give me the Cowboys. All right. Those are Joe's picks on the board. I'm up now. Pick number one. I'm going to stay in the AFC North here. I know you did the Steelers before. I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns getting three at home against the Arizona Cardinals. And I think this is a spot where the Osmakers have this right here. I know Arizona undefeated. They're going on the road. Cleveland is favored. But Cleveland has lost two games by one possession to the Chiefs and the Chargers, who are two very good football teams. Arizona, I think they've been playing with fire a little bit. They've had a couple of close calls here. I think the luck runs out here. I think the Browns win this game by a touchdown. Give me Cleveland minus three, pick one. Don't Kyler Murray's really good. He's and not to discredit Baker Mayfield, but I know obviously the pedigree comes with Kyler Murray and his high draft status. But I think he's been better than people expected. Yeah, I just think I have more faith in the Browns. Like they're a much better team than their record indicates. And David Njoku's come back. He's played very well. Yes, he has. Pick number two. This, for me, is just a pick of, like, I have faith in this team and they're not going to completely fall out of the mix here. It's right their record. I'm taking the Chiefs laying seven in Washington against the football team here. I don't think Washington is as good as they were last year. Obviously, losing Heineke Hurts. I know this is a risk laying that many points at the seven because Kansas City's defense stinks and they can't stop anybody this year. But Washington's defense has not been good either. I think this is the no. get-right game for the Chiefs. I think they go out here, put up a big number, win by double digits. So give me the Chiefs laying the seven in Washington, pick two. I mean, the Chiefs are also going to be pissed coming off that game against Buffalo. So if they're going to look out for some revenge, I mean, I, listen, I think Washington has a good defense, but that the offenses are just in. Yeah. Two, two. That's for sure. I pick number two, pick number three. I'm going to get an underdog on the board here. I'm going to take the Raiders getting three and a half in Denver against the Broncos. And I think last week, the Raiders, the Gruden saga was sort of overshadowing them. They were sort of distracted. We saw it in the field. Now he's gone. Now we have them going to Denver against a Broncos team, which I don't think is very good. All three of their wins have come against teams that combined two wins on the season. My team, the Giants, and the Jaguars. They got an exposed against better competition here. I think that the Raiders, heated rivalry, come out fresher, coming out refreshed from getting out of this controversy. And they give the Broncos a fight, if not win this outright. They get the hook, which is great. It means they can win with, with losing by a field goal. Give me the Raiders getting the three and a half points my last pick of the week. That's a dangerous game. I know I don't think the Broncos are good, but given the distractions involving the Raiders this week, who knows where their heads are going to be at. Um, but just in terms of talent, I mean, Carr's the best player on offense between the two games, in my opinion. And also on top of Henry Ruggs, Hunter Renfro went from as a joke on hard knocks to actually being a legitimate wide receiver. So there's some talent there in Oakland. I can't hate that pick at all. I, I, Denver's just not good. Well, it's not good. 
Yeah, they're not good. Plus, I'm going to invest in the Raiders. I took them as an over this year. So, if, if I get one more, I'd be feeling good. Their number was seven. I already had three. Yeah, so to, re so to reset the picks here, uh, Joe has gone with the Cowboys laying four in New England against the Patriots. He's gone with the Packers laying four and a half in Chicago against the Bears. The Steelers laying four and a half. You love those fours on Sunday Night Football against the Steelers. I just don't know how with Geno Smith playing, there's only a four-point spread. All right. that's your. Those are your picks. I took the Browns laying three in at home against the Arizona Cardinals. going to hand them their first loss. I have the Raiders getting three and a half in Denver against the Broncos. I have the Chiefs laying seven in Washington against the football team. Those are your picks for week number six on the Just End the Suffering podcast. Next week on the board here. The great Alan Austin is back with us. We're gonna probably gonna break down another giant loss. That's not gonna be pretty for him with the Rams coming in here. No, and again, who's who's playing quarterback? I mean, listen, Mike Lennon, I think, got a raw deal in Tampa Bay. Uh, he actually wasn't that bad when Jameis Winston was drafted and took his spot, but the, Matt Stafford and that Rams team have been a wagon. So good luck. Yeah, for sure. And speaking of the knockout of, of the giant Ram game, I'm going to the knockout pick for the week. Last week was another easy one. I took Tampa Bay over the Dolphins. I went well out of hand in the first quarter, so I was taking care of that one very easily. I consider taking Tampa Bay this week. You know, seven, again, is a big number, but you've seen with Tampa Bay, they don't care what the score is. They're going to play offense. So I, I don't think Hurst can keep up here. Um, and until he's knocked off the pedestal, they have the greatest quarterback in the league. All right. So to reset what I've done so far this season, I hit the 49ers week one over Detroit, Cleveland week two over the Texans, Carolina over the Texans week three, Buffalo week four over the Texans. I picked against them three, three straight weeks. I took the Bucks last week. This week, I'm going with the Rams over the Giants as my knockout pick of the week here. And the Giants, too many injuries. And the Rams are too good. And again, who's moving the ball on offense for the Giants? Like, Booker and Glennon, maybe. Daniel Jones has had a much better season than Giants fans want to admit. Um, Barkley's had a little bit of a slow start, but he's not playing for a few weeks. Daniel Jones may not be playing for a few weeks, so unless that rookie wide receiver wants to carry the offense, I, I don't see how they compete with the Rams here. And the Rams had three extra days to get ready for this game. They play Thursday night week five, so they're going to be even more rested. That's not good. And the Giants need all the rest they can get. Yeah, so right now, that's we'll see if I make it to week seven here. This has been a good run for me so far. I've made it to mid-October, the knockout pool. It doesn't happen very often. You're making it. If the Rams, I, I, I can't see this one. I mean, I feel like the Jets and the Giants both have a knack for winning games. They have no business winning. So this would fit that mold, but. They're, they're too hurt. Very sound decision. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes next week. Joe, thanks for all the time for today. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I can move follow social media. I'll keep up with you. I am at J underscore Chaffee on Twitter, uh, Instagram at Joseph Jew Chaffee. My full name, there's a few hyphens in there, but I'm an easy man to find. Just text me. I'm always here. All right. You'll, you'll do that, Joe. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. It was always a pleasure. The Two Minute Drill. All right. Two Minute Drill time here. Talking... New York Yankees baseball here as Aaron Boone's situation as a recording on Wednesday afternoon, still up in the air. Yankees taking a long time to make the decision whether or not he will be back next season. And for me, this is just ludicrous. I get with the timing MLB sort of says, Hey, wait for these series to end before you make big announcements. We don't want to distract from the playoffs. 
sort of why the Mets made the decision on Rojas quickly when they did. They wanted to get that out there and get the process started here. But the fact that it seems like they're leaning towards bringing it back. And we've seen reports from ESPN that Hal Steimer likes Boone, wants him to come back. We always know that Brian Cash is named Aaron Boone's supporter and wants him in here. I just don't get it. Because it seems like to me, the bar for the Yankees has been lowered in terms of expectation level here. Because they can say all they want about the leagues catching up to us, which is again, as Phil Ferrer pointed out last week on the podcast here, an absurd stance he taking for the Yankees who have not even made the World Series since 2009, let alone won one. They haven't made one since 2009. The league has long ago caught up to them and passed them. The fact here that a Yankee manager who has made multiple mistakes, whose players have not progressed from year one to year two to year three. We had multiple players go backwards, like Glaber Torres, like Clint Frazier, like Miguel Andujar. These guys have not progressed in their careers. You just wonder what we are doing here and why we are just accepting mediocrity because... For the Yankees here, the bar with that payroll, with the equities in this town, you should be doing all you can to win. And the fact is that this manager has not gotten the job done. He has not gotten them to the point that Joe Girardi did, where Joe Girardi won a championship. Joe Girardi took this core of young players in 2017, got them to game seven of the ALCS. The Yankees have not gotten past that point. And they let Girardi go. I get there were issues with Girardi, why he chose to let, why they chose to let him go. But at the same time, it seems like the Yankees are too complacent. It seems like the team is still saying a lot of the Aaron Boom, like, even keel, nothing bothers us. We will get in. We will do our thing, blah, blah, blah. There's too much laissez-faire at the Yankees. And in terms of, like, we heard a lot with them. Oh, you know, we got to work hard, the process, all these good things, and we're going to hit our way out of this. Look at the back of the baseball card. At some point, you got to realize that this team has been together for five years and has won nothing. They made the playoffs every year, yes. They have not won. They've won one division title in that span. One. They have only made the second round of the playoffs twice and lost to the Astros both times. The Red Sox have beaten them twice in the playoffs. The Rays beat them last year. Right now, they are in a difficult spot in their own division. Don't forget, Toronto is coming fast. They barely missed the playoffs this year. If the season went off another week, the Yankees would not have made it. I am convinced right now Toronto would have made the playoffs if that season went off for another week. But it didn't. The Yankees right now are in a dangerous spot here where they are basically going to attempt to run this back again if they bring Boone back. I know we've heard reports out there that San Diego wants him and he could go there with Louis Rojas and Louis Rojas be the bench coach and Boone be the manager. Don't be afraid of that. If you decide that he's not the right guy, let him go. Bring someone else in here. Try something different. Because the idea you're going to bring back the exact same coaching staff with the exact same roster pretty much, aside from a tweak here or there, and say, well, things are going to get better. That's not how it works. This group has not done enough to beat the Red Sox and beat Tampa consistently. They do not have to beat Toronto consistently. They feasted on a weak part of their schedule to get in. That formula is not going to guarantee to repeat itself. The Yankees live in this reality where they seem to think that everyone measures up to them. They look in the mirror and realize we got to measure up to everybody else. We try out analytics. The Rays, we can't do it. The Rays are better at it than us. 
We don't spend past the luxury tax like the Dodgers do for some reason. We need to put all of our eggs into winning and be willing to make hard decisions. You may like Aaron Boone. He may be a very nice guy, but has he gotten the results you want? No. You may like some of these players. Have they produced in big spots? No. They need to make some changes here. Otherwise, we're going to see further slippage from them because they barely got in this year. This group's only getting older. You got to start making decisions on contracts. You don't have many guys here long-term who I think are part of the solution. I think there's a lot of changes that has to happen, whether it's the coaching staff. Or if you're bringing Boone back, change a bunch of players. You can't bring everyone back and hope it's going to get better. That's the definition of insanity. With that one in the show, a third of the week, I want to thank, I guess, Joe Choff here coming on to do the NFL picks. A lot of good stuff there. A lot of good stuff like this podcast, including my recap of the season finale of What If on Disney+. Plus. Definitely interesting ending. Check out the blog over justendthesuffering.wordpress.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering or Favorite Podcast platform. You can find our episodes there, including our two episodes from earlier in the week, the Sky Guys Season 2, Star Wars Rebels Chat, and our breakdown of the NHL season with Pete Considore that came out a couple days ago. Feel free to your feedback and Star Rings will help, help with the podcast even better going forward. You can also follow my YouTube page, Mike Phils, on YouTube. The video version of this chat with Joe will be on the YouTube channel. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-3-3-1. And that's going to do it for a busy podcast week here. Coming up next week, we got to get ready from a basketball standpoint. We are going from the hardwood, from the from the ice to the hardwood, excuse me, so... We we'll do some NBA season preview content next week. Knicks, Nets, do our NFL picks with Allen Austin and more. Until we have a better week than those Seahawks fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.